Uh, Jesus didn't have a problem with people that's in the streets. He had a problem with religious people. How can I help anybody when I'm not even when I was not even able to help my own son? I would never do that. I would never do that. And I became that in a matter of minutes when they took my pain pills away. And I said, I'm not where I want to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. Ugh. This is Faith in Your Recovery. I am Randy Davis. Welcome to the battle. Welcome to this episode of Faith in Your Recovery. Hey, we've got a challenge for you as well as a chance to be a winner. And we're all winners regardless of what the world may say, but we can prove it with a gift that we'll stand behind it on. We want you to shoot us a question or a comment or even an idea for an upcoming show. Uh, go back, listen to any of our previous episodes, stay tuned for our future episodes, and that will qualify you automatically to be entered in a drawing for a free copy of our book, Recovery Conversations with Randy Davis. We hope to have Volume 1 on the market in July. Ten of our listeners will be winners of an autographed copy, so make sure you get us your questions, comments, or ideas. Send your email to podcast at ablbh.org. That's podcast at a better life, Brianna's Hope, ablbh.org. We look forward to hearing from you, and thank you. We have a guest today. His name is Sam Barrett. Welcome, Sam. Thank you. Hey, it's good to have you with us. We appreciate you taking your time out for us. We know it was kind of a last-minute contact, but thanks for your willingness to share. So let's tell the folks a little about Sam and help me get to know you. Uh, tell us a little of your your background, who you are today, and then we'll get into the you know the struggles that you faced here in a few moments. Well, I got, um, well, I guess to start off, I had problems with authority like everybody else um, and got looped into drugs and alcohol pretty young. When I graduated high school in um, Massachusetts, I was pretty disillusioned with Massachusetts uh, as a state. Um, I moved down to the Florida Keys. I lived there for 15 years, building houses, um, and running around like a Yahoo. And when, um, I, I met a lady down there and she had, um, she had lived in the Virgin Islands previously and Work wasn't the greatest down there. We decided to move to the Virgin Islands. I stayed there for seven years. Came back to Massachusetts. Um, that had to be a bit of culture shock, I'd think. It was. Um, my brother kind of conned me into it a little bit. Uh, I had a, I had a DUI from. I think it was 2001, so at the time, I think it was about 14 or 15 years old. And my brother now had a, a family of his own. Um, 
And in the interest of me being able to come and visit with them, um, he wanted me to clear that up. He said he'd go 50-50 on lawyer. Um, my father was very ill, and it was looking like it was coming to the end. So, um, And I really didn't have anything going on in the Virgin Islands as I'd just been hit by two Class 5 hurricanes. So it was sort of just like where the wind took me, if you will, um, kind of where I needed to be. Um, in that regard, it was a it was a good move. I mean, it was all worthwhile in that I was able to be there when my father passed. And um, good to be back in Massachusetts. No, yeah, no, no, not at all. I um, I picked up some new charges in Massachusetts, um, and. Uh, it, it just isn't a good place for me. I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, some things fit, some don't. Yeah, I, I thought that the local police would have forgotten about me, but apparently they had not. And so that led to some complications there. Um, along the way, I, um, I had a daughter. Uh, with a girl who's from Newcastle, Indiana. And I wanted to spend some time with her, so that brought me to Indiana. And here I am. You've been here ever since. How long ago was that, Sam? Indiana, uh, I might have been in Massachusetts there for a couple, two, three years or so, and then been in Indiana. Might be going on four years now. I think it's more like three, though. Okay. Okay, three or four years, somewhere in that area, yeah. All right, you said it all began with alcohol, your struggles, yes. And by that, I just simply mean that's what you turned to anyway. That was your uh, your drug of choice. Well, yeah, um, yeah, it started out as that. Um, but I, I got to point out here that there was something going on before then, Um I'm a, a firm believer in the idea that, you know, whatever you're screwing around with, it, you know, whether it be heroin, alcohol, cocaine, there's probably a reason behind that. Um, it's more of a symptom. Exactly. And uh, we're on the same page. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I had kind of gotten over... I mean, I, I just had early on, I had a lot of problems with authority. I, um, and I thought some on it. I don't have a lot of childhood memories. Um, but what I can piece together and what I've been told is that I, I had a plan. I wanted to do things a certain way, and I really didn't like it when people told me otherwise. And... I don't think that's very different from anybody else, um, but I seem to be—I seem to have a hard time with it—and didn't give up the fight entirely. Even when I was convinced to kind of buckle down a little bit, and I—I I mean, I found in school that I could make all these people happy without very much effort. You know, I mean, nothing amazing or anything like that, just not failing. 
um, and, and do virtually nothing, um, just not completely rock the boat. Slide by. Yeah. And I, um, I was, the way I was raised, I don't know, we were, my, my brother and myself were brought up, um, I think more than anything with, with athletics and that was a that was a huge thing and were you the older or younger the I'm younger by three years. Okay. Um and and kind of like going with that and you know, when we were kids we didn't like that all right, let me backtrack a little bit farther than that. My mom and my father did smoke cigarettes. And I might have been maybe around 11 or 10 or 11 or something. And then uh, her sister, my mother's sister died of cancer and it was pretty messy. Had a profound effect on my brother. But, you know, even before that, we were kind of, you know, they, the uh, anti-smoking things were just kind of kicking, kicking off. Um, and, you know, we bought into that. And along with that, I don't remember a whole lot of emphasis on the, I think the D.A.R.E. program probably came a little bit after my time. Um, I certainly remember Nancy Reagan's thing, Just Say No, that was a big deal. Um, I uh, So we were pretty much against it. Um, and I think... I, I just I, re- I recall the first time I drank and I was I was hanging out with a couple of my friends and I like to think that I'm not all that subject to peer pressure. I think what went through my head at that moment was what difference does it make if I take a couple swills I'm not going to sit here and get drunk. How old were you at that time? I was uh probably somewhere between 11 and 12. Okay. And I was wrong. I was wrong. I, I got I got the feeling, um, and for me it was profound. And that started me off. Um, it's a, a theme in my life. Something I believe in that once you break a dam, you know, it's a it's a hard thing to stop. So, um. You know, shortly thereafter, I smoked weed, and, you know, within another couple of years, I decided I was going to try any drug there was. So um, that was the beginning of a, of, well, like you said, like you said, alcohol was, was my go-to. I got into a lot of trouble because of it. I got kicked out of schools and. Um, it led to problems with athletics because that was when they just started the practice of having you sign a, a contract in order to do uh, sports. So, yeah, that was a problem. Um, it was I, – luckily I had some talent and I was – I don't think the powers that be were – that dead set against, dead set on following through with it, and I was able to squeak by with that. So, what was your main sports interest? What sport or sports? Um, lacrosse and hockey. Um, 
Yeah. And, uh, so because of your skills, you felt like they were willing to turn their backs a little bit? Well, my brother was a was a captain when I was a freshman, and I, uh, I know that people thought that I might go that that route as well. And we were in a pretty competitive high school, um, so it was kind of a big thing. I I'm not really the most competitive person, so I enjoyed the social aspect of it. You know, when we were practicing, the girls were practicing on the other fields so i mean it was it, that was nice i enjoyed i was pretty social as a as a kid uh, i'm again not great with discipline certainly not self-discipline I, I yeah not too good with that and i have a i've always had a tendency to um to stick towards things where people are like, like I could be good without having to put in a whole lot of work. Um, so, um, in addition to the those more orthodox sports, um, I raced mountain bikes, skateboarded, snowboarded. Um, later, started surfing. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a big thing. I and it was. It kind of, in a way, perpetuated the lie. The ads that we were seeing on TV, um, the common theme would be somebody who at one point was considered something in sports or in school, and the instant they started doing drugs, that all went away. That did not happen with me. Um, the only noticeable detrimental effects that I saw were problems. Again, my problem with authority was not gone. I was I was in trouble with the police all through high school. Um, actually, I didn't stop at high school. That went on. So, What about jail time during your high school years? Did you serve any jail time during high school? Yeah, right at the end of of, uh, I think, yeah, it was, uh, I was 17 still, and they just come up with, uh, with the idea of, you know, the 18 years didn't really mean anything anymore. And so, yeah, I finally pushed a little too hard, and, um, actually, I, I got a I got a pretty good slap on the wrist. I had a, I had like sixty days suspended for a year and a half, and I've I've never successfully completed probation. Um, and it was the same with this. I made it to the last couple months, and then just completely messed up. I think that was when I got my first DUI. Um, and yeah, so. So where did life take you after your high school years, and where did alcohol and your your attitude of that, uh, you know, those negative feelings toward authority? Well, um, I um, <clears throat> I actually quit drinking 
because I was uh, I I misspoke earlier. I said there were no detrimental effects. I was I was actually starting to notice things like that. I I didn't like. Um, you know, some stuff is trivial. Is just like sweating a lot, and I didn't realize at the time that like the you know I'd be get picked up to get ready to go out with my friends to wherever spot we were partying at and be driving there in the car and be sweating profusely. And at the time, I had no idea that that was a, it was a withdrawal thing. Um, and, but I just didn't like that. I didn't like being a guy just sat and, you know, just in a moving car and I, I was just pouring sweat and it was, I didn't like that. And I would also recognize that, you know, more often than not now, I was waking up in the morning being like, F, that's it, F this, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop. And the afternoon would come by and I'd be all ready to drink again. So, Good intentions in the morning, but by afternoon they yeah. were gone. Um. And I mean, you know, with the hindsight being twenty twenty, I I recognize that now is some pretty hefty milestones. So, anyways, I uh, I decided I was going to quit, and I quit two weeks before I ended up going into jail, and I quit drinking. Um, I remember getting out of jail, immediately linking up with my friends. And immediately smoking weed, um, and I, I, I think that that I had made. I probably made the decision while I was in jail that all right, no more alcohol, but I, I do whatever else I want to do because uh, I never had any any type of uh, ramifications to my drug use at that point. Um, mostly mushrooms and acid and. Probably a little bit of cocaine, um, and you know nothing really, nothing came of it. Um, Was there anything at that time in your life, Sam, outside of you that someone else could have done, said, influenced you, helped, or? That was just your choice, and it was going to be until you chose otherwise. Well, it, I mean, at that point, once I I stopped drinking. Everything kind of was very calm for a while. I got a lot of stuff done. Uh, I went back to school, got a certificate degree. Um, and so I, I ended up not drinking for about a year and a half. Um, and my, um, I, yeah, I had to move back into my house, my parents' house. Uh, when I got out of jail, and it just felt right. It felt like, you know, my my brother still didn't quite get it because he was very health conscious. Um, so he didn't have any addiction issues, true? Yes, true. Okay. He's a very, very put-together guy. And, uh, well, he might be addicted to uh, exercise. I mean, I know that that is a real thing. And, sure. Uh, that That is a possibility. Um, so, um, in terms of, so nobody was really, actually all I was getting was positive feedback. Um, you know, I, 
it it was openly discussed. My parents knew all about it. Everybody knew that I smoked weed pretty much. Um, I had a really good job. Um, I say I managed to get through that uh, year year long course. And I came out of it. It would have been very good opportunity to get like a career going actually because there was placement involved at the end and uh, did a um, we did um what do you call those uh where you go work at a play internships okay yeah so what field was that in environmental technology all right and i'm gonna go ahead and say massachusetts is a place that unless you're in one of the, the cities, such as they are, um, you really need to have transportation. And all the, the positions that were being offered to me when I graduated this, um, this course involved me having, most of them involved driving around um, and if, if not, I mean, certainly you need to have transportation to get to work. And as I was puzzling that out and entertaining a couple different notions, um, I got I got into an accident on the highway where I was. It was probably the one time in my life where I was driving very irresponsibly, and I was sober at the time of the accident but i was coming back from a friend's place uh where i've been visiting probably about two hours away and um when i I was very lucky because i was traveling at a very high rate of speed and when i lost control made contact with the guardrail was able to get the car back under control Uh, there was some front end damage and i popped the tire there was a an overpass coming up, and I had forgotten the rule: you cannot stop on an overpass, and uh, or you can't pull over. And I had, and the police came, and the, the accident was never brought up. Although I'm fairly certain somebody must have called. It was one of those things: if you saw it on the highway, you'd be like, "Whoa, whoa!" And uh, but then again, it was probably a little bit pre uh, cell phone. So I'm changing the tire. The police come up, and she decided she wanted to search the car. She searched the car. They found less than a gram of marijuana. And at the time, Massachusetts was, if you were caught in possession of marijuana, I'm sure it was all drugs, but for me it was only really relevant for marijuana, they take your license for a year. Okay. Which... It was like the last straw for me in Massachusetts. I mean, I, all through high school, I had I had big problems with the local police. Um, and I was just done with it. So a friend of mine had moved down to the Florida Keys to fish for crab and lobster with his uncle. And I followed him down. Um, a year later, and that started my Florida Key thing. But it, to get back to your original question, I, up in nobody, yeah, there's no, 
even though I wasn't catching any pressure for it, now here was an incident that was, I mean, like it or not, this was a result of me smoking weed. This kind of minor catastrophic thing that just happened in my life. So, um, and you know, I, I was not, I was not interested in listening to anybody tell me that I needed to stop smoking weed at that point. So no, there's not, and it, I, uh, I got a, my confidence was bolstered by the whole quitting drinking thing. Um, all I got was slaps on the backs, you know, from everybody. And, um, I was doing so well that nobody was saying anything about the weed. But it's undeniable that was a huge thing. So. Sure. Um, yeah, I've never been very open to other people's input. I tend to do my own thing. Is that still true today? Yeah, to an extent. Um, I yeah. I mean, I'm I'm. I guess I'm bullheaded. I have my. Thoughts on the way things should be. Um, living life on life's terms is has been a challenge. Um, I don't have a lot of faith in people. And so in order to take to to take input from other people, I, I really have to respect them. Um I don't feel I necessarily isolate, but I'm not a social butterfly I once was. And so I, in the fact that I'm not meeting lots of people all the time, I, I probably miss opportunities to see uh, other people's special ap- attributes that I might might cause me to respect them. And that's my criteria i i really have to respect a person in order to um to you know open myself basically realize that maybe my way isn't the greatest way um and and be open for um open to to considering other people's ideas of how things should be done. So let me throw a question at you here that's along that line but a little bit different. You're talking about your struggle to to respect other people and part of that being not a social butterfly so you don't get to know them. How does Sam feel about himself today? How do you respect yourself um, I, I feel pretty good about myself. Uh, I don't want to offend a whole bunch of people. I, I, when I hold myself up to what I think other people are doing, I think I'm, I'm doing all right. However, am I doing the best that I can do or that I have the potential to do? Uh, probably not. And I'm, you know, I, I lived, I, lived a, a blessed life um, things do come easy to me um, I I guess it's uh you know I also heard an awful lot of this when I was a kid and coming up and that you um, you're not living up to your potential you're you you know it's and I, I it's a it's a terrible thing that 
um, I feel that a lot of adults did to their kids. And I, you know, now having having a kid, I, I understand how it happens. But it, um, so, you know, back to the question, I, I think I could be a better Sam, you know. Um, are you trying to be? I'm. How much effort are you putting into being a better Sam? Give it a percentage. Just your opinion. That's all I'm asking. I'm putting an awful lot of effort into making Sam a better person here. Um, but on a personal level, like, it's hard for me not to um, to feel like I should be doing more for other people. Um, I think that's a part of that uh, that trust going back to that again. Are they going to let you down? What kind of reasons are you doing it for? That can fit in a lot of different slots. So what do you see yourself with your skill package, your individual personality style? What could you be doing for others? Um, well, being early into recovery. How early? Um, I want to say since October. Okay. So we're talking about what? We're in the month five, three, about seven or eight months. Is that pretty accurate? Is that, that fit sounds for about you? right. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm not, I'm not a huge one for keeping count or, um, I don't generally, I don't really take tokens. I, uh. Why's that? It's about the end game, about how this, I, it just doesn't seem, I, I respect it. I respect it uh, for other people sure. and all that. Uh, it's just milestones and um, the struggle for me is to, is a sustainability to, because I mean, I've, I've been messing with this for so long and um you know, sustainability is really the key issue. I don't really care how long I've been sober as long as I know I can be sober tomorrow. And then tomorrow's, I guess, in theory, will pile up. And yes, again, it's just not, it's not high on my list of concerns, I guess. Okay. Okay. And this may not be either, but I'll go ahead and ask the question. When's the last time you were seven or eight months clean, dry, sober? Sober, sober? Yeah. Like nothing, uh, probably about when I was eleven. So that's been a while. Or when I've been in jail. So yeah, yeah. So that's better part of how many years? Thirty some. Yeah, I don't know I, what your age is. You, I'm I'm forty nine. Okay, so um, that's forty years. They're about thirty five. Yeah, it'd be a good fit, and that that would share a lot of that. Okay, so. What do you see as your coping skills at this time? What's helping you stay sober? Why is it working now? Um, well, certainly you got to understand that the other, you know, I, I have gone seven years without drinking, but I was doing a lot of cocaine. So okay. that doesn't really get us anywhere. I went three years before that without drinking, but I was doing a lot of Oxycontin. So um, 
It'd be an exchange of drugs, so to yeah, speak, call one it for the other. Using the crutch, and uh, yes. And honestly, I think that that practice has kept me alive. Um, I I don't know how I'm in. My health is the way it is. Uh, I've seen other people who. I mean, I drink pretty hard, um, and when I'm doing it, it's full time. Uh, I am what I consider a professional drinker. Um, so it's, it's no thing in, uh, of, of like, a you know, I'm one of these people who's, and I, I understand that this is a legitimate thing, but, you know, drinking a six pack a night to me does not constitute a problem. Uh, I mean, I understand that it is a problem, but yes. my thing is just a little uh, different. And, um, so if I, I think if I'd gone that whole time, Drinking the way I drank, I probably would not be here. I've had friends fall by the wayside who drank in similar fashion to me. Um, so I, you're a fortunate individual, fortunate man, blessed. You said something about a blessed life earlier. Yep. And there's there's a big, uh, you know, yeah, you can point to that as a part of the the proof in the pudding. So. Oh, for sure. Um, what makes this time different, though, uh, uh, my my engagement with the with the program, uh, I I've been pretty familiar with Alcoholics Anonymous since I think the first time I was sent, I was fourteen, um, and I never I never. Um, never did the did the program i mean you can go to aa meetings and not and they'll they'll help they'll help you just on their own but they're not necessarily for me it, it uh needed a little bit more than that to get me to a pretty significant change in my life which has come up and that's you know getting a sponsor and um acknowledging a higher power which is uh that's a that's a thing for me. Um, you know, let me say it like this. Uh, my thing, you, you said something about a battle in the beginning. I look at my life as a war. Um, this, my demons, whatever they, you know, there's a bunch of them. Like I said, I'm pretty equal opportunity and biber of drugs and alcohol. And I like them all too much. And so my demons are around every corner, and it's not about, you know, my dog getting hit by a car, my girlfriend taking off. It's not stuff like that that, uh, that seems to tip me over the edge. It's, it seems to be, you know, anything. It's a nice day outside. Why not? You know, and just kind of throw everything to the wind. Celebrate the sun or mourn the rain. Yeah, There's there you two go. good reasons to go either way. But by acknowledging my higher power. Um, so what does higher power mean to you? What's acknowledging that higher power done in you, for you, with you? What's it about? It's allowed me to negotiate a ceasefire. You know, I'm I'm on no no means am I on good terms with this this enemy. Um, 
And, you know, it clearly doesn't like me trying to kill me all the time. Uh, and I know it's not over. It's, it's not even, you know, like I said, it's the end game. You know, if I die sober, maybe I can say I won and I beat this thing. But, yeah, um... It's allowed you to negotiate a ceasefire. I've never heard that phrase. I like that, and I get it. Well, it's, uh, it's it seems to be what's going on, you know. Um, I respect the magnitude of the problem and the potential it has to not only destroy my life. Well, it doesn't seem to want to destroy my life. It wants to prolong this thing and have as much fun with me as it can. But the problem is, I mean, you know, my own happiness aside, I I know I hurt other people, you know, and uh, it just seems to be a better way. I like that. I like that. Sam, as you know, the name of our podcast is Faith in Your Recovery. What do those four words mean to you from your experiences? Real quickly, I was, uh, shortly after I acknowledged and kind of opened myself to realizing what my, my higher power was, and um, it became a much more strange way to say it, but a much more tangible thing for me, and that my mind could handle it easier. Um... Shortly after that, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't, I had no, I had no, I didn't believe that I was going to have some sort of real, um, like, aha moment is what I call it. People talk, I hear people talk about these close calls and, and these things, these signs that, that you know, um, could be construed as truth um, and, and proof of the existence of a higher power. And my life has been such that I've been in such dangerous situations, put myself in dangerous situations. I'm very reckless, and I just skate through everything. Nothing really, really bad ever happens. One of the hardest things about my battle is that I, there are very few repercussions or consequences, and that's been a, that's been a theme in my life. Um, and not to say, I mean, I've seen plenty of people close to me fall by the wayside, but all that does is reinforce. It has a way of reinforcing the idea that I don't got to worry about it. Um, so I had an aha moment, and I I think you're. It was specially tailored to me. Uh, I didn't think I was going to see, see the light. I got thrown, and I was, my first attempt at, well, my most recent attempt before this one to uh, do what I'm doing now. And um, everything was going smooth, and I was trying to do the right thing, and I, I you know, I mentioned earlier I'd never made it through probation before. I had a little issue in Newcastle, had it transferred over to Anderson in order to, uh, 
you know, to do the right thing. All right. You know, my life's in order for the most part. I know I have some challenges and it might be easier just to skate around this. And so I, I transferred my probation and um, the date came around for my first visit to my probation officer. And um, there had been a court date that I was supposed to make in Newcastle very early on in like I just got out of rehab. In fact, I think I was in rehab when it happened. And I wrote letters to everybody I could think of, um, you know, both, you know, the, the probation department here, the probation department there, to the judge. You know, everybody I could think of explaining my situation, how there's just... Also, I'm completely broke. I've lost all my identification. I'm working on getting this stuff back, and I just have no means of getting to Newcastle for this court date. Well, um, so I didn't go, and I understand how this works very well. You know, it's a computer, I guess, or it puts out warrants. And it put out a warrant for me, and I was just—I thought I was just about done with my first probation uh, meeting. And I heard footsteps behind me, and turned around. There were two dudes with guns and stuff, and, and they were so. They put me in uh, Anderson here, and I stayed there for 16 days. The guys at uh, at the house that I stay in um, did everything they could to hold my bed. Uh, you know, uh, they ended up holding me for 16 days, which is normally not a, a very big problem. That messed me up. And I was, honestly, I, I decided I was going to drink while I was still in there waiting. I was just, I lost my job. and So now I'm homeless in Anderson, and this is the way I'm going to deal with the situation. Um, and that messed me up. So I went back out. I don't know how long, but came back in, in October, got this going on again. And so I got I got pulled over. I got thrown in the back of a cop car and I've never gotten out of a cop car before. And for some reason, I was allowed to get back out. And I'm still here engaged in my uh, recovery with all the things I've worked for. And that was a big aha moment for me. Well, congratulations to you for the work. I know you're not where you want to be, but you've got it in front of you, and you're much farther than you've ever been from the sounds of things. So uh, we appreciate your time of sharing with us here today on Faith in Your Recovery. Sam Barrett, we wish you the best. Uh, We hope you continue along this path. Stay hard at it. Once again, thank you. God bless. Thank you. Amen. Amen.